0: This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing a newly FDA-approved treatment for moderate to severe ulcerative colitis, Atrazomol, which is a sphingosine-1-phosphate receptor modulator, or oral small molecule. With us today is Dr. Rahul Dalal, instructor at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and we'll be discussing the summary we co-authored in the November 2023 issue of Evidence-Based GI. Welcome back, Dr. DeLong. And as always, let's just start by discussing why
1: this is an important topic for our listeners. Thanks for having me again. So, atrasimod is the second available selective sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor modulator that was approved for ulcerative colitis. There's some important differences of this overall drug class compared to other treatments we commonly use for ulcerative colitis. So from a mechanism standpoint, S1P receptor modulators target lymphocytes. They specifically result in internalization of S1P1 receptors in lymphocytes, which prevents uh, mobilization of lymphocytes to inflammatory locations in the body. So it's a very different mechanism compared to other agents such as anti-TNF. Also important is that atrasemon is an oral agent, which is a route that many patients prefer. It's important to remember that there there are several aspects of the prescribing information we have to keep in mind. S1P receptor modulators, particularly atrasemon, is contraindicated in people with major cardiac events in the past six months, the presence of heart block second or third degree, and severe sleep apnea. We also have to be concerned if there are elevated li- liver enzymes, baseline bradycardia, decreased lymphocyte counts, and macular edema um, present before starting. Because of these issues, patients need to be obtaining a CBC, EKG, liver enzymes, and also an ophthalmic exam for macular edema prior to starting a trasmod. Additionally, patients need to be having either varicella, zoster virus, titers checked demonstrating immunity or getting the vaccination prior to or near the time of initiating treatment. One advantage to a tracimod is that compared to a xanamod which is the only other s p receptor moderator available for UC, there's no titration of the dose required to minimize the risks of bradycardia. So rather than having to gradually increase the dose, you simply start a at a two milligram dose per day and you remain on that dose.
0: Those are Certainly important things for our listeners to understand if they're going to consider using an S1P receptor modulator for ulcerative colitis. In our review in evidence-based GI, we specifically discuss the Elevate randomized control trials. Those are the two randomized control trials that assess the efficacy and safety of versus placebo for the treatment of moderate severe ulcerative colitis. Now, these were fairly complicated studies, so I encourage our listeners to look at the summary we wrote in the November issue of evidence-based GI to get all of the details. But essentially, both studies enrolled patients with moderate to severe ulcerative colitis symptoms who had an inadequate response or loss of response to either standard treatments for ulcerative colitis, meaning mainly 5-ASA products, or who had failed a biologic. And interestingly, in this study, they also included patients who only had ulcerative proctitis as opposed to other UC trials that excluded people who only had ulcerative proctitis. In the Elevate UC52 study, they randomized patients and assessed their response both at 12 weeks and at 52 weeks when they were taking that 2 milligram a day dose versus a placebo. And what they found was that Atrazomod-treated patients had achieved clinical remission 27% of the time when taking atrozamide versus only 7% of the time when taking placebo. So fourfold greater clinical remission rate. And at week 52, interesting, the remission rate had increased to 32% in patients taking atrozamide, whereas it stayed the same in the placebo group. So that implies that it is possible when patients are treated for extended periods beyond 12 weeks, there may be some additional patients that achieve clinical remission. In Elevate UC12, you basically saw similar results for achieving clinical remission. At the end of the 12-week induction period, it was 25% with hitrozamide 2 milligrams a day versus 15% in the placebo group. And generally, there were no surprising findings among the safety analysis. I'd note in particular that there were a couple of minor episodes of bradycardia, but nothing that was a clinically... Serious adverse event directly related to the drug. Certainly, no deaths or malignancies reported. Given that, what are you going to do in your own practice, Dr. Dalal, in terms of who are you likely to prescribe Batrasmod to? What are going to be the advantages compared to all the other things we
1: have to treat ulcerative colitis? So, I, I think, you know, given the data and also the lack of comparative effectiveness data i would tend to use a in patients with moderate disease and i would also certainly consider a in patients with proctitis that's refractory to conventional therapies before moving on to other biologic therapies since the trial does include patients with limited proctitis which i think is important i also think in terms of routed of administration s1p receptor modulators are really the only agents we can use as first line that are oral in terms of route of administration, if patients prefer the oral option and they have, you know, relatively moderate disease, then I might consider etrasimod in that population as well. But we certainly need more comparative data to really understand the best position for etrasimod for the moderate to severe UC patients.
0: I think what's a little bit different about etrasimod compared to the other agents is that although you want to make sure patients are vaccinated against herpes zoster, that because this agent works on lymphocytes, we don't have the same concerns about opportunistic infections that we might have with other medications. We certainly monitor patients carefully to see if they get infection, but my impression is it's not really the same risk. Is that fairly accurate?
1: Right. I think, you know, my impression is that the overall safety profile in terms of infections is probably something similar to betelizumab, although we can't say that for sure because we haven't directly compared the drugs. But I think overall a relatively fair favorable safety profile in terms of infections. One thing we do have to keep in mind is, you know, due to the mechanism and the presence of receptors throughout you know, different organs, there's a lot of pre-screening that has to be done and that can potentially delay care. For example, having to get an ophthalmic exam, checking various t- titers, getting vaccinated. So if you no know, time to onset and, and and time to initiating treatment is a concern, there's definitely some pre-planning that has to that has to happen and be considered.
0: I think the key points here to keep in mind are that the at two milligrams per day is a newly FDA-approved treatment for moderate to severe ulcerative colitis, that it's a different mechanism of action as an S1P receptor modulator, and that, as Dr. Dalal notes, he's most likely going to be using it in moderate patients with ulcerative colitis, symptom severity, also patients with ulcerative proctitis, since this was one of the few trials to look at that. For patients that really prefer an oral treatment, that this is maybe beneficial. And that also just keep in mind though, you've gotta check the EKG because bradycardia has been reported. Make sure you get your CBC and your comprehensive metabolic profile because there is a small risk of hepatic abnormalities and also an ophthalmologic exam because there's a, a really small risk of macular edema. Thanks again for joining us today. For our listeners, please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform. And please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ACG underscore EBGI, where we host PowerPoint tutorials of EBGI summaries every Wednesday. And also, please look for the ACG Blast email on November 15th. So thanks again for joining us today, and thanks to Dr. Dalal for contributing.